This is Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wolf and a dog become best friends. A wolf and a dog? Yeah, they're not the same thing. And then later on, uh, a woman and her husband get each other the worst books they can find. For this episode of Bibliovile, I read Suzanne Enoch's Flirting with Danger and Mick read Meg Cabot's Queen of Babel in the Big City. Welcome. <laughs> I was just about to try to beat you to it. Welcome to Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast. My name is Mick Dickinson. I am one of two co-hosts. And I am the second of two co-hosts, Susan Dickinson. I was hoping you'd say two of two co-hosts. But uh-huh. you're only truly one of the two. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so. both of us, actually. I'm the whole marriage and the whole podcast. I have heard that. I would agree. You are the whole podcast. <laughs> Um, in case this is your first time listening to Bibliovile, what are you doing starting with this episode? But just in case, uh, Susan and I, we go to the public library in Iowa City, check each other out the worst books we can find, make the other one read them, and then give us a book report, sight unseen or unheard or what have you. Uh, so we have heard nothing about each other's books, and they're pretty bad, uh, I, I think. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I haven't specifically heard anything about mixed books so far mixed book so far but he did Not throw it across the room and like bury his face in his hands a lot while reading it and then also i think he made it through chapter nine and then quit so oh, yeah i made it to chapter 10 nicely done i'm gonna go ahead and assume that that one's pretty bad yeah it's pretty bad uh it's it's a rare day that i don't finish uh the books i'm usually pretty good about this one but uh about that sort of thing but this just has to be seen to be believed. So stick around for Queen of Babel in the big city because, Susan, you uh, uh, not only have a book to read for us, but you, you've got some uh, an exciting development in the world of Biblioval Extended Universe. Okay, so my sister, loyal listener Michelle Johnson. Uh, arrivederci. Is that hello in Italian? I, I believe so. Um, she, first of all, has just landed in Italy, Malgerno. which is super cool. Arrivederci is bye. But also, she texted me the other day to inform me that through reading a Twitter thread, she somehow stumbled upon the Twitter account of bibliophile favorite Yasmin Gallinor. Yasmin Gallinor, friend of the show, has a Twitter account? She has a Twitter account. Oh. She tweets a lot. Really? She's a very prolific Twitterer. Well, she writes a lot, so I, I bet. Does she, like, tweet a whole bunch of... It doesn't seem like she'd be able to hold it to under 140 characters. <laughs> there, yeah. That's pretty, oh, that's that was good. a good joke. Thanks. It took. It was like halfway through my response when I realized the joke. Yeah. yeah. So. So Yasmin Galnorn, by the way, listener, is the uh, the author of the Crimson Veil, Otherworld, Shaded Vision series uh, that we are just dying to have on more often. Yeah, I'm I'm legitimately obsessed, and finding her Twitter account just made me more so. Because it's awesome. Really? It's fantastic. Is it bonkers? It's bonkers. She tweets constantly about a wide variety of different things. And a lot of her tweets are very political. And as my sister mentioned, it makes sense that her political beliefs would line up with ours kind of because of the the writing that she does. Like she has a lot of just like low impact LGBT characters. She does have a motif of like the whole undercurrent is about tolerance. Yeah. And so... She's very, um, very progressive, very liberal in her political beliefs. She tweets a lot about politics. She also, like, in the four days since I followed her on Twitter, she hops in on, like, a bunch of different hashtags that are trending. And um, things women writers hear was a hashtag the first day that I had followed her. And so she posted a lot about that. And it was actually super interesting. She told a story about how she was in an interview about the publication of her 50th book. And a male interviewer asked her, so when are you going to write a real book? (laughs) Oh, sir, you have not read Shaded Vision. You have not read Crimson Veil. Shaded Vision, a man gets stabbed in the balls and then a... The police chief has nunchucks. And there's a bone golem named Rodney. Oh, yeah, the bone golem. I forgot and about it. Derek has his shifted Jimmy Johns that he can't <laughs> be late for. Those books are amazing. Yeah. And also, she posts a lot of pictures of her cats. She might be my new favorite person to follow on Twitter. Ouch. I highly recommend it. Like, literally, it's just at Yasmin Gallinorn. She's great. 
I, I just like, it makes me so happy. And I kind of want to tweet at her and be like, hi, my husband and I have a podcast about books and we love your whole deal. Yeah, it was supposed to be bad, but oh my God. But we love them because they're bonkers they're not, and it's great. Yeah, they're not literature, but they're amazing. And I mean, I can't write bonkersness, so it's, it's impressive. It's just so fun. And so I just, I feel like that was a good addition to my, my social media life that I now read tweets by Yasmin Gallinorn about 50 times a day. Yeah, it'll so. go well with your uh, black bisexual Twitter follower, following. Yeah, pretty Gallin. much. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, so that was like a very happy bibliophile related portion of my last two weeks since the last episode we've, we've put out. Um, an unhappy yeah, bibliophile thing is this book that I read. <laughs> so Flirting con danger. You got me a book. So Flirting with Danger by Suzanne Enoch. Enoch? Eunuch. Enoch? Enoch. I bet that's it. <laughs> Enoch. So this book, uh, it was bad, and it's very condescending, and I did not like mm. reading it. Susan, I, I've been meaning to tell you, condescending. That's when you talk down to people. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know if you knew that or not. Well, I'm pretty dumb. <laughs> you it, read this book after all. Yeah. So that made me feel a lot dumber than I actually am. The first the first condescending thing on the back of the book is that because apparently they want you to read the book, but they don't trust that you're going to grasp any of the plot at all. So they summarize every single major plot point for you on the the summary on the back. Nice. So I'm just going to, like, instead of going through the plot, I'm just going to read you the summary on the back. Playing with fire will get a girl burned. The Palm Beach job should have been a slam dunk for thief extraordinaire Samantha Jellicoe. uh, Stop. Thief extraordinaire? Yes. Awesome. Samantha Jellicoe? Jellicoe. Like, okay, does this take place in Miami? Um, Palm Beach. Pretty close. Relieve a British playboy millionaire of priceless antiquities, but when an explosion throws her into the arms of said playboy Rick Addison, even a pro like Sam has to review the rules. A bad girl's guide to flirting with danger. Always wear black when breaking and entering. It's both practical and slimming. Uh, point of order, black is the worst color to wear. But when breaking and entering yes. or for things that are slimming? No, for breaking and entering because it stands out against the night sky. You need dark blue. I'm glad you put thought into this. I should tell. Someone should tell it to Sterling Archer. He invented the tactile neck. When asking a sexy multimillionaire for help in clearing your name of murder, try dropping in through a skylight to get his attention. Did they make a dropping in pun? Yes, many. You may consider staying in his mansion for protection, but beware. Hidden grenades can spoil any bedroom fun. For car chases and evading bad guys, take his Bentley Continental GT. It has a roomy back seat. Should he propose a legitimate partnership, make sure you really want to leave that life of crime behind. It also wouldn't hurt to keep the black dress handy in case you change your mind. What? Wait, hold on. That's the, the whole book. The... <laughs> okay, good. We can move I... on to your book now. That's the whole thing. Oh, Okay. Uh, but the 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 black clothes that she was wearing it yeah. was a dress, not like a turtleneck. And... No, in reality, it was like a a black long sleeve and some black leggings. Yeah, right. like makes sense. But apparently, on the back of the book, it's a black dress. That's about the only thing that does not accurately summarize the entire book. Um, like that's the whole thing. That's all that happens. She's a thief. She breaks into his house. While trying to complete this job that should have been easy, she discovers that there's a tripwire and a bunch of grenades that have already been planted, not part of the normal security system. They were planted in order to trap someone, and she well, winds up saving Rick Addison, the millionaire that never she's gonna give stealing you from. Never gonna rest you down, never gonna let you steal my paintings. And... He almost walks over the tripwire and blows up from the grenade, and she saves him. Um, a security guard gets blown up, and she has been seen by Rick Addison on the scene because she saved him. And so he can place her there, so he tells the cops about her. But in the, like, 
few seconds during the explosion that they interact when she tackles him and saves his life, they, of course, fall in love. Wait. So she tackles him from uh-huh. the grenades. That Away someone... from the explosion that someone else has set. Who tripped up the tripwire? The security guard who died. Oh, no. Yeah. Raul? Uh, I don't remember what his name is. Because no one really thinks about him again, which is pretty sad. But so that's that's the first major condescending piece. We're supposed to, uh, we're supposed to believe, we're supposed to latch on to the fact that this person is stealing from him. He catches her stealing from him. His heart. But she's cute and she saves his life by tackling him away from the tripwire and the grenades. And so in those few seconds before he becomes unconscious, they what? fall in love. Why did he become unconscious? Because he hit his head on the floor. And so then she drags him down the stairs away from the fire and disappears. Uh, but... So, yeah, all right. Okay, so then when the cops come and they're looking into this, not only breaking and entering, but the explosion, he tells the cops about this woman who had broken in and he caught her. But he also says, but she couldn't have been the one that set the explosions because she saved my life. So if you didn't want the cops to go after her, why did you tell them that she was there? If you told them that she was there because you want them to go after her because she stole from you, why did you also throw in the fact that she saved your life? Because he's not a liar, Sue. But he is a liar. Oh. He's a big old liar. And he feels like he can do basically whatever the F he wants. All right. So <clears throat> she like is watching the news about this and she figures out that he's he's told the cops about her. And that she is obviously the only suspect. She's a really bad thief. Yeah, she's the only suspect at this point. Was it the security guard who did it? No, it wasn't. I feel bad for the security guard. The dude died and I don't even remember his name. So she's watching this on the news and she thinks, well, I'm a thief but I'm not a murderer. I can't be framed for murder. So she breaks into his office and drops through the skylight, as was mentioned on the back of the book. On purpose or? Yeah, on purpose. And asks him for help. In exchange for you helping me to clear my name of murder, I will help you figure out who's stealing your stuff. Isn't it her? Isn't she the one who's well, stealing? Well, not only who's, not, no, I'm sorry, not who's stealing your stuff, but who set the tripwire in the oh, grenade. Okay. Who's trying to kill someone on your property. And he agrees to this partnership because he's fallen in love with her in the three seconds that they've interacted. Yeah, I'm really glad that the, the ploy wasn't like, I'll figure you clear my name and I'll go with you to prom or something like that. Yeah. That would have been bad. It's still bad. It's still bad. So then he They're thinks the books. only way to like protect her and to keep suspicion off of her is to tell everyone that she is his new like head of security and invite her to move into his home. More like ass security. So she just moves into his house. Um, She's already been there twice. He is immediately confident that the two of them are very similar and that they have a lot in common despite the fact that he literally knows nothing about her other than the fact that she's a thief who tried to steal from him. And she's got big blue eyes. Yes. And he has interacted with her by this point less than 30 total minutes between the break-in and... The break into his office when she dropped the The breaks in. The breaks in. That's the only time that they've really interacted with each other. Well, they say that it's love at first sleight of hand. So I guess. So these little shorthand. Look at you. I know. So these two people, they don't. They don't make any sense. It doesn't make any logical sense that these two would choose to work together. Yeah. And that they would fall in love, and they immediately. Like, start sleeping together. They go out on dates. They act like this is the beginning of a super long-term relationship. There's and not this even... starts immediately. There's not even any tension between him like, being like, this woman stole from me, but I also want to bone her. He's just like, the, whatever, I want to bone her. That's the hot part, though, about like, oh, I shouldn't, but my boner, my mind's telling me no, but my body. Telling me yes. My body's telling me yes. They have sex by chapter four. Oh. Look, there there ain't nothing wrong with a little bump and grind. Yeah. But chapter four, that's seven less than bankruptcy. So then 
Later, Rick, who's the millionaire's name, becomes convinced through a series of events that the bombs were actually meant for Samantha, the thief. Not that the security. someone knew that she was coming in to steal the, the tablet, which is what she was trying to steal. Like an iPad or like a stone? <laughs> like a stone, like an ancient stone. That tablet. makes less sense than yeah. stealing an iPad. Yeah. No, she only goes for high quality stuff. And so she, yeah. so they, they've become convinced that the tripwire was set for her. The grenade was supposed to kill her. And there's like some bigger plot at play. And at this point, okay, so he's figured out that no one's actually trying, he thinks he's figured out, that no one is trying to kill him or his security guards. They were trying to kill the thief that was going in after his property. Sure. Why are they continuing to work together? This no longer, like, he no longer needs to be a part of this partnership at all. Just why is he, why is he continuing to do that? Why not just shoot her? Like, if you're going to kill somebody. Or why... arrest her. No, not him to her. Yeah. Like, the assumed killer. Why set a tripwire with grenades the most... Yeah. I don't know. Like, the a point of a tripwire is that you don't have to be there when the death happens. I don't know. It's like, hey, let's cause a big explosion that might not actually kill the right person. So, the, the bulk of the book is not actually focused on the mystery and the of theft course not. and the murder or anything like that. It's focused on, like, the relationship and the will-they-won't-they they and the sex. But they they have and do. Right? But that's another super condescending thing. Like, you are expecting me to believe... That this billionaire businessman, he's like, he's British. He's descended from artist. British aristocracy. He's like, he is the heir to this huge multi-billion dollar business, yeah. this, this company. He knows the rules and so do I. But he is okay with missing appointments and meetings and phone calls. And he like specifically states that because she has been so distracting since she's moved in, all they do is bone. That he has lost out on millions of dollars in the last few weeks because he just keeps blowing off meetings or other stuff. Like you're <laughs> expecting me to, to I believe think she's the one doing that. That this millionaire like, can't keep it in his pants. Yeah. Have you or seen like, the news? Well, fair. But like <laughs> that he has willingly let this woman who stole from him or tried to steal from him be a distraction and costing him millions. Here's of the dollars. thing though, in the book, I'm sure that the guy is very handsome, right? He is very handsome and he has constantly women are throwing themselves at him. So okay. like what's the deal? How much better of a book would it have been if the dude was like kind of pudgy and getting up there in years and like no one liked him anymore and so i would have liked that better because it would have been more believable that been so amazing it would have like, been way oh, more at believable least this woman's interested so another like unbelievable i can't believe you're expecting me to buy this moment was that another bomb gets set in the mansion as we are led to predict from the back of the book that you may consider staying in this mansion for protection, but beware, hidden grenades can spoil any bedroom fun. I thought that was a uh, reference to the first grenade. No, that's a reference to the second grenade, which is put in her bedroom. But we are supposed to just accept the fact that she touches, barely touches with her ankle, the tripwire. And she figures out what it is. And she's able to reach over and grab the pin of the grenade and hold it in place until help arrives. So that's not how grenades work. No. In a lot of different ways. Nope. Like, what does she think that it, there's a spring, and now that now that the grenade has triggered the spring, if you let go of the pin, it just pops out like a champagne cork. Yep. All right, but there's also the spoon that you can hold on to, to. Uh, Hold the grenade and throw it once you're ready. But she freezes in place and doesn't move any further and holds the pin in place and so nothing happens. Uh, uh, be, be, like, be very honest. Is she like, <clears throat> does she feel that she has to be quiet? It's yes. Like so that the grenade doesn't wake up? Yeah, apparently. Although to be fair, like, <gasps> although to be fair, whenever I am like trying to do anything delicately i always am i always am quiet like i think that's just human nature well, that's the only part of it that's believable well I, there's a difference between like looking for an address and turning your music down and 
not willing to scream for help because you're currently holding your grenade and you don't want it to explode. Yeah. So the other thing is that within 30 minutes of this grenade situation happening, she is like showered and dressed super cute, hair and makeup all done, down on the patio, having a grill out with Rick and like flirting with him and being super fine. Like you almost, you literally almost died because you almost tripped a wire that like made a grenade explode and well, 30 Mars minutes later you're okay yeah. wait how does the grenade get solved someone comes and takes it away i so this is an audio medium and a lot of my responses to sue's books are to stare at sue probably unfairly but how do how does that work that she can't take the grenade away but someone else can do they like diffuse it I, it's not really gone into because then we have to focus on the flirting and the patio and the steak. It's more like a mistake. Yeah. Never going to get PTSD. No. So there. Do you get the joke, by the way? I do. I get the joke. I'm just so mad about how condescending this book was that mm. I can't even focus. You're not even Rick rolling on the floor laughing. I am Rick rolling on the floor laughing. Just like I was at Matt and Michelle's wedding reception. Rick roffling. So. Raffle. We go through the whole book, they flirt, they sleep together, they start to have conversations about this being a long-term thing, and then in chapter 22 out of 27, so we're in the third act of this book, Rick finally just decides to get mad about the fact that Samantha is a thief and she tried to steal from him. (laughs) Oh, wait a minute. She's been a thief since chapter one. You're just getting mad about it now? I think that that, if it wasn't for the sex in chapter four, I think that'd be perfectly logical about him like, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. But like he's gone through this whole book sleeping with her. Rickamarole. Yep, Rickamarole. So he's known that she's been a thief the whole time. And he doesn't get mad about it until chapter 22. She knows that he's a controlling jerk the whole time. And she Mm. doesn't get mad about it until chapter 22 either. So why is it taking so long for them to realize, like, the main characteristics of the the other as a person? Are the worst? Are the worst. And that it's something that they can't live with. That's it. And then four chapters later, the book ends with them married. I'll get to that in a second. (laughs) So another thing. So apparently this is all part of a bigger scheme. Samantha helps Rick realize that he has been essentially been being swindled for almost a decade. That a lot of the so-called priceless pieces in his home are actually, they have been swapped and replaced by forgeries. Mm. And so he's, he's, no, not by Sam, by someone else. Or so she tell like that's he's he's believing that based on her word alone, despite the fact that she's a thief. No, but, but I don't even know the person, and yeah. I got that plot twist. Also, Sam and Rick sounds like a detective duo. And, well, pretty much that's what they are because they they refuse Two males. to they refuse to let the cops deal with any of this. They insist that they can solve it faster on their own. And then the the like cop that's in the situation is like. Hi, let me try to explain to you the concept of obstruction of justice. He's the only believable character in the whole thing. Because he just spends the whole time being pissed that this thief who seduced this millionaire are, like, trying to run the show. And he's like, will you just let me do my fucking job? Wait, wait, wait. What's the cop's last name? Uh, Castillo. Oh, I thought it was going to be Renaud. Because Sam and Rick are both characters from Casablanca. That would be pretty good. Is there like a a third woman that he met in Paris or something? This is actually like an elaborate homosexual fan fiction between the bar owner and the piano player. Unfortunately, no. Then it would probably be called Play It Again. Wink face. That's a good one, Mick. So I I have the feeling that this is going to be the continuation of a beautiful manipulation. Mm Mm-hmm. Of all the gin joints in all the world. You had to rob mine. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was a good Woo! high five. Um, the problems so, of a millionaire don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. <laughs> we'll um, always have Palm Beach. We'll always have Palm Beach. So this man has lost, or so he discovers throughout the, the plot, he's lost millions of dollars because yeah. his his 
pieces of art have been swapped out for forgeries and now the whole art community is is not believing that any of his real pieces are actually real and so his collection has been devalued by millions but he doesn't care because he's boning this lady and that's annoying too like the fact that you that we're expected to believe that this billionaire does not care about all of the money that he's losing well, is to completely be fair, unrealistic. He has billions of dollars. No, but pe- like billionaires are billionaires because they're obsessive about the money. Oh. That too, but they continue to to grow wealth because they're obsessive about continuing to grow oh. wealth, and they cut corners and they're they don't want to spend money on things like paying workers a living wage and like they care about money i am shocked shocked to find politics in this podcast yeah but he doesn't care about any of it because he is obsessed with samantha jellico samantha jellico (laughs) yeah so they also throughout the whole book starting from chapter one they constantly reference his ex-wife he's recently divorced she slept with a person that he considered to be one of his best friends. Oh, he wore gray. She wore blue. Is that another Casablanca? Yeah, I've only seen of... it one time. Does he live in a White House? I yes. showed you it, I believe. Yes, he did. Yes, he does live in a White House. Mm. Several does of them. Does everyone visit? Yes. Everyone goes to Rick's. Everyone goes to Rick's. So because of how often they bring up the ex-wife and her new husband, who's like the Rick's former husband? best friend. That immediately I was like, oh, this all has something to do with the ex-wife's new husband. Like, that has to be. Otherwise, they wouldn't have brought it up as much. Sure enough, in the end, the whole plot was designed by the ex-wife's new husband in order to ruin Rick. Okay, good. Yeah. Nice. Nice and good. Good and nice. I was really worried you would tell me that it didn't have anything to do. I'd be like, man, Chekhov is just going to shoot himself with that gun. Yeah, so at least it was like, at least that part of it was predictable but i still feel like they brought it up so much that it was a little bit like hey just in case you don't know it's gonna be this guy it's gonna be him it's gonna be this dude you should have been like hey can we skip to page like 350 because i i know it already pretty much that's like kind of that, what that i wanted one, to do that one mystery that i had where i'm like yeah it's the dude yeah let me read through this entire dude. book it's the dude oh wow i also have a couple comments to make about the sex scenes there are several of them oh um, when they make out, he runs his tongue over all of her teeth, and that grosses you wanna, me out. That grosses me out, too, but do you want to know what noise I just heard inside my head? What's that? A, a xylophone glissando. Yeah, kind of. I see that, too. I don't, like, please don't ever do that to my teeth. All of them. Anymore? Like, does he also touch her molars? Like, let me, what is uh, he doing? Oh, you, you How didn't get your, long is his tongue? You didn't get your wisdom teeth taken out, I huh? did. No, I'm saying that's what he said. Uh, it's gross. Um, she often suckles on his male nipples. Male nipples? They're always called male nipples. Never just always. nipples. Always. Several times she suckles on them. It's gross. Uh, don't guff my puff, Susan. Please don't deal with any of my male nipples. Guff, guff, guff. Um, I really hate the word impaled, and it gets used in all of my bibliobile books. I think you're reading about those insects. Probably. I think I would prefer a book about insects to this one. Outsex? Yeah. So there's a lot of impaling on cocks. Um, mm. They refer consistently to condoms as body armor. Ooh, wait a minute. Throughout the whole thing. No, 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 no. Often. Nah, body nah. armor. Nah, 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 nah. Nah, 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 nah. Nah, 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 nah. Body, body armor, ar- body armor uh-huh. is a thing that I have never once heard before. And frankly, if you ask me, universe, never want to hear it again. Nope, me neither. Uh, but also we are expected to believe that Samantha Jellico, a woman who <laughs> like pushes people away at all costs, is totally fine with about halfway through their relationship within the book being like, whatever, we don't need to use body armor anymore. I, I asked you very politely not to use that term around me. Condoms. Condoms. Also, apparently, they have sex seven times in one night. Oofta. That's not a real thing. I just got exhausted. I got exhausted too. Like that's just not a real thing. That and depends like, how much vitamin E I can get my hands on. Mick. Yes. I'm real into you. Thank I you. love you a lot. I love you too. And and I like that like part of our marriage too. We're not going to discuss boning. Seven on this podcast, times please. in two in one night. 
That's bonkers. Seven times in two nights. No, seven times in one night. I know. Um, but like, I like sleeping a lot, and I I would be like, no, go away. I'm tired. Yeah. That's that's too much. I hate it. A lot. I need a cigarette just hearing about that. Pretty much, yes. Um, let's see if there's anything else about the sex scenes. Oh, um, at one point they have a big fight. I think it's the chapter 22. He remembers that she's a thief. She remembers that he's a jerk. And they have a big fight. And she decides that she's going to leave. So she walks out of his Palm Beach mansion. And he, to thwart her from leaving, tackles her into the pool. And immediately afterwards, they're fine. They're like flirting and they turn it into something like really sexy. And we're just supposed to believe that after this giant fight, he tackles her into the pool and everything's good. So tackling someone into the pool, better than like tackling them into the wall or onto the floor, I'll admit. I guess, but still don't do it. Yeah, but dropping a shoulder into anybody is not the best idea. Play that Marcia. Play, Play it. it. Wow. I remember that, I remember wow. that one. I I'm, that I'm dropping that in. Yeah. I'm sorry. Back to this book. I just have a couple things that I'd like to point out about how terrible this book was. In the first chapter, Samantha is preparing to break into the house, and she wonders to herself, who made the rule that thieves should have to climb walls? I'm pretty sure that the... the the concept of thieving the the walls aren't there because thieves came up with the idea that they should have to climb walls for aesthetics the walls are there to keep out the thieves so that's dumb you dig this um rick throughout the entire book enjoys when people make jokes or comparisons to him being a feudal lord at the end we find out that he is a, a he's a lord he's a marquise um that's so of English. course that's french yeah but he is one anyway. Um, right? Every chapter tells us the exact time down to the minute for no apparent reason. Is it like SVU or something? Like Milan or you're like... I think it's supposed to be. It's very annoying. Rick is often just like his business practices are described a lot. And a lot of his art collection centers around the theme of like warriors and soldiers. Because he's something of a warrior in the business world. And I think that's gross and I hate it. And in the bedroom. Apparently that too. Right on. Um, at one point, eyes. Samantha tries to leave and he says, if he wasn't finished with her, she wasn't allowed to be finished with him either. And that's gross and I hate it. <laughs> um, and a thing that I really hate about bad books. Yes. I hate, not not only bad books. This happens in like supposedly good books too and also just sort of in life. I hate the idea that there are two types of women. There's the woman who is like tough and strong and nothing bothers her. And then there's the woman that is delicate and fragile and vulnerable. Well, yes. And those are the only two types of women that you can be. It's like a 45-55 split, right? That 55% of women are the, the tough, strong ones. and 45% are the, the other type. Yes, and there's no space for anything in between. And that is infuriating. No space for fart jokes? There's Or like just existing. Yeah, being a person. There's no space for like I'm sitting on the couch or I'm I'm cooking breakfast. Sometimes I eat lunch meat without putting it on bread first. No, you only get to be tough or fragile. There's no room for lunch meat. <laughs> well, sometimes I worry about coming up with a title for this episode, but there's no room for lunch meat. It's probably gonna take it. I think we got it. Unless and I just I'm like that is a really, really annoying to me. And I'm, I was very frustrated about it because that happened the whole time. Like, <coughs> Sam was either tough or fragile, and that was it. And that was another condescending thing like a in a list of stick. condescension in this book. And I found it very frustrating, and I did not like it. Hmm. But can I tell you, can I tell you about the back of the book? you already told me oh no not the back cover like something happens in the back of the book so you know how some books have additional pieces after like the end of the book the or after book the epilogue coming out so apparently suzanne enoch is part of Enoch. the avon romantic suspense like some sort of collaboration between wait, wait, wait. her and like other the authors mute, the makeup company avon maybe 
It could be. Like, I don't know. It says Avon. A, is there like a Mary Kay club where they have to drive around in pink Hummers and hand out books? Probably. That's why she wrote this one, More like sucks. A, more like Avoff. So in the back of the book, there's a list of 10 things you don't know about Elizabeth Beverly, who must be one of the other authors. And then a sneak peek at Elizabeth's January 2005 Avon romance super leader, just like a man. And it is... Gross. It's not even a sneak peek. It's a page and a half. Like, a sneak peek should be at least half a chapter, not a page and a half. Next, 10 things you don't know about Rachel Gibson. And then a sneak peek at Rachel's February 2005 Avon romance super leader, The Trouble with Valentine's Day, which is also a page and a half. And then 10 things you don't know about Suzanne Enoch. Oh. And here's the best part. And now a sneak peek at Suzanne's March 2005 Avon romance super leader. No. Flirting with danger. <laughs> Wait a minute. In the back of the book. Is it like, oh my God. How bad of a job did they do for this? So this is something you've already read. Like yes. this is in the rest of the book. We need to go word by word and make sure they didn't change a single thing. Because I would laugh uproariously if they're like, hey, we put this in the other book, but people responded really negatively to it. So when we make it your actual book, it needs to change. And then they forgot to change it in the copy and paste 30 things you didn't know about these random authors. I did read through it. I did not notice anything that was like egregiously different. Egregiously but also, they put in a preview for the book in the book. Well, haven't you been to the movies where they're like, hey, check out Rogue One, viewers of Rogue One? And you're like, I'd rather not. But in a book? I'm so annoyed by that. Listen. I just thought that was ridiculous. Until you've seen a high schooler turn in a paper where your name or the name of the teacher is crossed out and written with your name there, uh, do you really understand the power of just reprinting the same thing over and over again? There's also an advertisement for the book in the back and (laughs) and like information about where you can buy it. Hey, no, thank you. Here's where you can buy this book that you've just finished reading. Also, was that one called Just Like a Man? Yeah. Did Frankie Valley write it? Is that a Frankie Valley song? Just, well, it's Walk Like a Man. Just Like a Man, uh-huh. Singing Like a Man, I Can't Sing Up High Today. I did a lot of yelling. I see. Um, but that was my book and it was condescending and annoying and terrible. Well, you and know, I what, didn't like it. You know, it was really condescending when What's she that? climbed down the wall. Yeah. Because she's who criminal. came up with the fact that thieves need to climb down no, walls? No, because she's a criminal. Oh, and she so was climbing she was a down. con descending. That was a good joke. Ba, ba, I like that one. I could not tell. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> So with that brilliant, just hit it right square in the chest kind of joke, uh, anything else you'd like to say for Suzanne Enoch? I don't ever want to read any more of the books in this series. I'll make sure and pick it up next time. You're the worst. Around. Everything's going to bring you down. How is Queen of Babel in the Big City, Mick? Was it so good? No. It is awful and bad and kind of the, like... Okay, we read Midnight Sands, both of us, right? Yes. And for sheer, just like, denseness. Denseness of the awful. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Denseness of the writing, where yeah. it's like, what the hell? And none of it actually comes ever back up again. Uh-huh. For all of that denseness, that's bad writing. This is, on the other end of the spectrum, terrible, awful writing, where instead of denseness, it's just absolute and total vapidity. That's actually why I picked out this book. So Meg Cabot is a fairly prolific writer in her own Apparently, right. Apparently, because look at this list of other things she has written. Potentially even more than Potentially Yasmin Potentially even more Gallimor. than that by now. And I read when I was in probably middle school, Meg Cabot wrote the Princess Diaries books, and I read probably the first five of them. And as a middle schooler, I was like, I like these. These are, like, cool. Um... But thinking back to them as an adult, I was like, oh, I should get something like that for Meg because he would hate it. And then I stumbled upon the Meg Cabot section of the library because it's pretty big because she wrote a ton of books. And then I found this one and I just, I just felt like it would be the perfect thing for you. It was not. Was it? No. You sure? 
<sighs> so I guess you've already answered one of my major questions. Just reading the back, which since you read yours, I'll read mine because there's going to be a difference here. Can you do me a favor? Can you tell me which words are capitalized? Yeah. Um, so there's going to be a difference in this one from what I usually do. There's going to be a lot of me reading extended portions at a time because this is one of those things where it just has to be heard for mm. the rhythm and meter and just like... Uh, awfulness. Awfulness where I can't pick out any like two sentences that show you like weird examples. Like Yasmin Galinar is perfect for like picking out like... Yeah. And then he pulls out some nunchucks and what? Oh my God. There's a bone golem named Rod. Yeah, yeah. But this one is just, you got to like just keep going and I couldn't, but let's read the back. Big mouth, big heart, big city, dot, 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 big problems. Lizzie Nichols is back. Pounding the, the New York City, that's capitalized. Well, yeah, well, that's supposed to be. Pavement and looking for a job, a place to live, and her proper place in the universe. Parenthetical, get used to that word, not necessarily in that order, and parenthetical. Quote, summer fling, quote, Luke's use of the quote L, and quote, parenthetical, living together, and parenthetical word, has her happily abandoning plans to share a one hyphen room, walk hyphen up, with her best friend Sherry in exchange for a cohabitation with the love of her life in his mom's ritzy Fifth Avenue, Pied hyphen a hyphen tear. Lizzie's landed a nine hyphen, hyphen paying gig in her chosen field, M dash, venting wedding gown rehab, M dash, and paying one as a receptionist at Sherry's boyfriend's father's, ugh, posh law firm. So life is good, dot, 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 for the moment. Paragraph break. But almost immediately, her notoriously big mouth is getting her into trouble. At work, she's becoming too chummy with society bride hyphen two hyphen B, Jill Higgins, inflaming the ire of Jill's troublesome future mother-in-law. At home, she's made the grievous error of bringing up the quote M end quote parenthetical marriage and parenthetical words to commitment hyphen shy Luke. Once again, joblessness and homelessness are looming large for hapless blabbermouth Liz M dash unless she can figure out some way to babble her way to a happily ever after. So the L word is not love, but living together? Yeah, that's the L's word, or L words, I suppose. And M is marriage. Okay. Did you notice that apparently uh, Lizzie Nichols, not Lizzie Nichols, that's the main character, Meg Cabot, uh, is just like on a little like hors d'oeuvre sampler of, mm -hmm. of punctuation? She really is. Does not get better. Her other books, by the way, Queen of Babel, which I assume is this book's the uh, first one. The first yeah. one. Queen of Babel in the Big City. And next in line, we already know apparently from this edition, Queen of Babel gets hitched. So we know what's going to happen in the end. I don't, frankly, yes we do, but I don't give a single shit what happens in the end. Because my question that you answered is, who is this book for? Because who wants to read about nonsense problems? Nothing on the back of that was like, ooh, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Will this white girl make it in a city? Who gives a shit? There's nothing about her other than... Well, and it doesn't really seem like there's a plot. There's it no plot. It seems like it's supposed to be just sort of a slice of life thing. And it's not a good slice of life. But you're right, like, no one cares. No, so if you're going to no do cares. a slice of life, it has to be on a thing that someone cares about. Or at least done well. Yeah. Where, like, you're getting to a, a deeper meaning of the life that they're living. Yeah. And also, she writes these books. Size 12 is not fat. Size 14 is not fat either. And Big Boned. Which I find funny for titles of a book. Um, but I'm just going to like start the book for you because like I said, I need to just read as much as you can. So, uh, you get it starts with a quote. Every chapter starts with a quote and that'll become very important. Are there any quotes from fight club? No, that'll okay. become very important later. All, almost all of the quotes are way too highbrow and important for this book. It is still not enough for language to have clarity and content. Dot, dot, dot. She puts ellipses. ellipses. Thank you. I have that word written down in some, in other people's quotes. So she must've chopped out some words. It must also have a goal and an imperative. Otherwise, from language, we descend to chatter, from chatter to babble, and from babble to confusion. That's from Renaud Damal, French poet and critic. So the book is titled Queen of Babel, mm -hmm. and in the first quote, she talks about how babble is nonsense that leads to confusion, and then she proceeded to write a book. Yep. Oh, so good. This is the, good starting point. The, also a good starting point, this first couple chapters. Oh, I just want to, I just want to, okay, most of our podcast lasts about an hour. I just want to read this book for an hour out loud. <laughs> so you have to deal with it. Before I start, 
I could not read this for more than 10 minutes at a time. No, you could it's not. It's infuriating. So yeah. I had to take it to work to read during like study hall because we're supposed to read in front of the kids to show them like, hey, reading. And they saw me get mad at it. So I had to explain to them, hey, my wife and I check each other out bad books and yell at each other about it for a while. It's fun for us. Didn't say anything about a podcast or a blog post because I don't have a death wish. But if they find it, frankly, good detective work. And even I read it out loud to high schoolers and they're like, that shit is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't use those words, but they were like, why is she doing this? Why is she doing that? And I'm like, exactly. If high schoolers can say that that writing is bad and they read high schooler books. And they write as high schoolers. This is high schooler writing. Here's the beginning. I opened my eyes to see the morning sunlight slanting across the Renoir hanging above my bed. And for a few seconds, I don't remember where I am. Paragraph break. Then I remember. Paragraph break. And my heart smells with giddy excitement. No, really. Uh, slanty words. Italics. Italics. Giddy. Like, comma. First hyphen day, hyphen of, hyphen school, hyphen and, hyphen I've, hyphen got, hyphen a, hyphen brand, hyphen new, hyphen designer, hyphen outfit, hyphen from, hyphen TJ, Max, giddy. Although, and not just because that Renoir hanging over my head, it's real. That's not this a question. so bad. And not just because that Renoir hanging over my head. It's real. It's real. Although it italics is, and not a print, comma, like I had in my dorm room. An actual original work by the Impressionist master himself. Which, a paragraph break. Which I couldn't actually believe at first. I mean, how often do you walk into someone's bedroom and see an original Renoir hanging over the bed? We fucking get it. Is she like some sort of art collector or dealer? Nope. Nope. Okay. See an original Renoir hanging over the bed? Um. Um. Um, comma, never. At least if you're me. (sighs) Keep breathing, bud. Okay, next one. I'm going to, when it's in all caps, I'm going to shout it. I hope that's okay. Because I've been so quiet so far. And the stripe. She's talking about the Renoir still. Still. And the stripes of fur on the cat the little girl is holding raised blobby bits. It's a real Renoir. Are all right? And it's hanging over the bed I'm waking up in. Dot dot dot. The same bed that's currently bathed in sunlight from the tall windows to my left. Dot dot dot. Sunlight that's bouncing off the building across the street. Dot effing dot effing dot. That building being, oh, I have to take it down so that you have something to compare this against. That building being the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Metropolitan. Listen, Metropolitan Museum of Art, the one in front of Central Park on Fifth Avenue. These are periods. In New York City. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Paragraph break. Yes. Exclamation point. I am waking up in New York City for exclamation points <laughs> the big apple exclamation point the city that never sleeps parenthetical although i try to get at least eight hours a night or my eyelids will get puffy and sherry says i get cranky and parenthetical exclamation point i feel like we've already had the conversation about how the only time you should use multiple punctuation marks in a row is in an ellipses and she takes care of that for sure Four exclamation points in a row? Four of them? Terrible. I This is page two. I'm still reading page two. When you close the book on page two during Bibliophile and you look at the person and you go, I can't do this. That's a bad sign. Page two, I was like, I'm not finishing this book. Like, I trained for marathons. You are training for marathons. Sometimes you take like 18 steps at your front door and you're like, this isn't going to be good. Yeah. You just already know. And this was one of those things. And this book, by the way, without is long. is long. It is 307 pages. I made it to, and I will discuss why I made it to this point. I made it to page 107. So not even a third of the way through. It's high school bad. There's ums, there's uhs in the writing. I don't know if you picked this up, but there's present tense. One of my, uh, and I hate present tense. I know you hate present tense. One of my notes just says, this is untenable. (laughs) The second chapter is a prequel to the first chapter. I wrote, we're going backward in time. 
were further than ever from the end. (laughs) So the second chapter, I'm assuming, sort of summarizes and reviews what happened in the first book. Is that correct? From your understanding? Nope. No? The second chapter went back to like a, 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 a cookout with her family and it's like, lol, look at my crazy family. Did there, other than being like, lol, look at my crazy family, was there any reason that it did that? Uh, her sisters don't take birth control and have kids now. So no. So no, okay. Um. So her boyfriend's, Luke, they met in Paris, or in France, they'll always have Paris. Uh, turns out he's super rich. Turns out that his best friend Chaz is super rich and also dating uh, our main character Lizzie's best friend. So oh, that's uh, two not rich people dating two rich men in New York. Like, how, oh, they have it so tough. Also, Luke's an actual prince. Apparently. Oh, naturally. Yeah. Um, is he all, is he a marquise? Not quite. <laughs> Sherry is a uh, friend. Uh, she works in a, like a domestic violence treatment center. Okay, that's and it's, cool. It's no, it's treated like she works too hard and never has time for her, the main character or her boyfriend. Yeah, not acceptable. Yeah, uh, but Sherry majored in psychology, so she's always like the person who explains how the character is feeling and doing. Because people that major in psychology, I hate that trope. By the way, I wish I could like articulate how hard I just rolled my eyes. I also am really annoyed at the fact that this person who has a, like, legitimate job doing good work, it's, well, she works too hard and she doesn't have enough time for me. You want, do you want to, uh, you're going to probably break something or yell at somebody, because I'm about to read this. Oh, dear. I nod. Her new job of counseling women at a nonprofit program that helps victims of domestic abuse find alternative housing, obtain orders of protection, and secure public benefits, such as food stamps and child support. By the way, that sentence does not close a clause. Oh, good. It's not a high hyphen paying job, comma salary wise, but what Sherry doesn't receive in financial compensation, she'll make up for in the knowledge that she is saving lives and helping people, M dash, especially women, M dash, to attain better existences for themselves and their children. Fine. Good. Yes, that is a good job. Although, if you think about it, those of us in the fashion industry do the same thing. Nope. Nope. Nope, you don't. Nope, nope, nope. We don't nope. save lives necessarily. No, you don't. But we help make lives better no, in you our don't. own small way. No, you don't. Not the same thing. It's like the song says, dot, dot, dot. Nope. Young girls, they do get weary wearing that same old shaggy dress. It's our job to get them into a new one so they can feel a little bit better about themselves. No. I, I don't think that anyone who is listening to this podcast is going to see any credibility in that at all but i just i i would just like to explicitly state no that's not true nope i'm angry no uh it takes place in new york and new york's kind of like, <laughs> does it yeah new york's kind of like a, a, a like a, another character kind of in this book oh it's like new york's a character sue because we really have to be introduced to New York because that's so revolutionary yeah. that you would set I've, a book a in book New York in City. New York City. That's where they make salsa. Uh, to find a job, doofus, Sherry says. Or is Luke going to support your thrifting habit as well as provide your housing? Oh, I let out a tiny laugh. Yeah, thanks. And, by the way, so many sentences start with the word and. Uh-huh. And I flip to the job section of the classifieds dot, dot, dot. Paragraph break, dot, 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 just oh, as a no. just as a dwarf with a long Gandalf-like staff opens the door to Honey's, the bar they're at, ambles up to our table, looks at us, and then turns around and leaves, all without uttering a word. Both Sherry and I glance at the bartender. She doesn't appear to have noticed the dwarf. Sherry and I look back at each other. This town, I say, is very weird. Tell me about it, Sherry says. Only in New York! Why does that have to be a thing that's included in this book? I started counting the number of times that uh, this starts. I started probably about halfway through my reading. Uh Uh-huh. Started counting the number of sentences that the narrator begins with. And, comma, okay. And I got two. Twelve. And. Okay. So, like, you didn't even finish the book. I didn't even finish the book. I didn't even start at the beginning. And, okay, so, like, that means that there's more. And, okay, so it's not like I don't have a good job, but, like, okay. Uh, just starting with the okay, 
34. <laughs> 34. Uh, there were eight of them in one chapter. Okay. So another question that I have about Stop. this book. As I'm creeping on you reading passages out of this, I'm noticing that there are sketches. Yes, between chapters there are sketches of wedding dresses because that's her pretend job is a wedding dress refurbisher that she eventually gets the job for. Uh, she does it for free because she can't find a uh, like actual fashion job in New York City. New York City. So she just works for free and then her, her boyfriend takes care of her? Well, yes. Uh, she also has a job as a receptionist, but I didn't see that because I stopped reading. And the whole thing is, is she going to be able to keep her mouth closed about the law clients? Mm. Women be talking. How dare those women be talking? Uh, so, by the way, one time, okay, period, okay, comma, was a, a series of words in a sentence. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Tell me more. Um, going from 33 to 34. Good. Uh, here we go. Uh, besides, mom and dad would flip if they found I t took off for Europe, M-dash, let alone accepted all those book lights as a graduation gift, M-dash, without actually having finished my degree. Paragraph break. The same way they would flip if they found out I was moving in with a guy I met there. Period. In Europe, comma, I mean. I'm going to have to keep my living situation on the DL. Oh. Maybe I'll just tell them Sherry and I are sharing a place, dot, dot, dot. Except when they talk to Dr. Dennis. Who's that? I don't know. But no, I just want, maybe they'll, like, just even, okay, I'm not going to do the, the, the punctuation. punctuation on this because I think it needs to go fast to understand how terrible this is. Maybe I'll just tell them Sherry and I are sharing a place. Except if they talk to Dr. Dennis. Dang. Okay, I'll worry about that later. Dang, by the way, dang, dot, 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 paragraph break. Okay, comma, I'll worry about that later. Okay, here's the part that's very confusing about oh, this. Obviously, comma, I need to use this time to concentrate on my career. I mean, how am I ever going to get interviewed by Vogue if I never actually uh, italics do anything interview hyphen worthy? Although Sherry would look really cute in a cap sleeve diplony silk bustier bridesmaid's top, with a T-length skirt and a sort of antique rose color like that skirt on the mannequin in the window, dot, dot, dot. Did we skip a goddamn page? None. Neither of those things have anything to do with the other. Or are good at all. But I mean, no. like... But why are they... Why do they exist? Why does this book exist? I hate it. <laughs> do you hate it? It's bad. Okay, but... Okay, so and okay, though? Okay. Stop. Four do you and hate okays, it? it's untenable. It is untenable, and indeed it is because you didn't finish it. It, it was untenable. Uh, she's in New York, and she's walking, and she's trying to save her money so she won't ride the, the subway. because Not because the subway is expensive, but because she can't help but give money to people on the subway, and so she's losing a bunch of money because she keeps giving it to homeless people. Uh, but she can't take taxis because taxis are expensive, so now she has to walk. And she says, this deli, oh, it's quite a walk from 5th to 3rd. I said, it's two blocks. Yeah. 5th to 3rd. That's two blocks. Move them over. <laughs> Good one. Uh, that her mother, future mother-in-law, assumably, since the next one is about them being married, gets a call from a strange French man, and she just she just doesn't know what to do. She heard it, and it's terrible. Uh, here we go. Oh, exclamation point! How romantic! Explanation point! And what a f and what a fun job, comma working with seals! Exclamation point! If only I could m dash parent. Or, uh, pr break. Paragraph break. Luke's key is turning in the lock. Uh, exclamation point. He's home, exclamation point. Is this person a, a human woman or a dog? Because, frankly, this sounds like the thought pattern of a it dog. It does sound like a thought. Is he home? He's home. Thank God I... I'm so excited that he's home. Thank God I peeled off my Spanx two hours ago. The red marks must have faded by now. And I'm not wearing them anymore. Luke is going to have... Oh, I'm not wearing them anymore. Luke is going to have to love me for me. M dash, the real me, M dash, or it's over. Uh, break, except dot, dot, dot. Look how adorable he is in those faded jeans and that nice button hyphen down shirt I picked out for him to wear, exclamation point. And maybe it's all right to wear my Spanx just a little bit longer, dot, 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 until I've lost those 15 extra pounds I bought home from France, which I'm sure to do soon, given all the walking you have to do in this town. Plus, I can I completely ignored the baguette, baguettes at Eli's, dot, dot, dot. Hey, he says, there's a big smile on his face. How's it going? Italics. Hey, how's it going? The literal friggin' thing I just read. 
This is what my boyfriend says to me 10 hours after asking me to move in with him. It's clear he hasn't exactly been agonizing over my answer. Break. Or maybe he has and is trying to play it casual. Break. What's that smell, he asks. Break. Garlic, I say. I'm marinating a couple steaks. Break. Great, he says, putting the keys down a little marble-topped console table by the door. I'm starved. How was your day? Break. Wow, period. How was your day? That's what it's like to live with someone? I mean, a guy? It's like living with a girl, really. Oh! Just to let you all know, Nick just threw the book up in the air and then onto the floor. And I still have more to read. So I would like to throw out there that no one ever needs to lose 15 pounds for another human being, nor do you need to stuff yourself into Spanx to look better for another human being. If you don't want to. That's silly. If you want to wear Spanx, go ahead. But you don't need to do it for another human being. Uh... As if all of that is not bad enough, the honorees have heard a rumor that Maurice is planning on opening up another one of his shops. Dot, dot, dot. Down the street from theirs! Exclamation point. Who are those people? The wedding. I don't give a shit. But they're, it's five capitalized words ending in an exclamation point after a dot, dot, dot. Oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, even my high school students hated it. This reminds me a lot. Before I finish why I had to stop this book. This reminds me a lot about my my senior year of homecoming when I took oh. a girl uh, from a different school when we briefly dated mm-hmm. uh, to my homecoming. And the the night did not go well because the school she went to, like, no one danced at homecoming. And you know me. I'm the life of weddings. You're a dancing machine. I, I enjoy dancing. Like, I legitimately enjoy dancing. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, you're not enjoying this, and therefore I'm not having fun either, so fine, let's go to this thing that, like, I get to go get dressed up and go dance at, which is, like, my raison d'etre, and I go home, and she's like, well, let's rent a movie or something, so we go to Family Video, and you know what she picks out? A Walk to Remember. Not a good date night movie. And I have never seen that movie, so I rent it, and I watch part of it. And we're falling asleep now because, like, she didn't and go all it's kind of boring. It's super boring. And so I popped it out of the DVD machine. And the same way I feel about that movie, I kind of feel about this book. I took a, a small little screw and I scratched the shit out of the DVD because I wanted nobody else ever to see the movie. If yeah. I could take a screw and scratch out the words in this book, I would. High school you is kind of an a-hole. Yeah, but... Anyway... There's one paragraph that, that had three ellipses. That's going to be my last <laughs> quote. This is my last quote, and then I have the reason I stopped. Okay. And I can't help... And, starting a sentence with and, that's and. baseline stuff. Yeah. And I can't help thinking that if I could get my love life in order, I'd have more time to concentrate on the career thing. Break. So, comma, really, comma, the only reason I want to get married, M-dash, or even just engaged, M-dash, is so I can be better at my job. Or just Not good. be better at your job. Uh, break. Plus the fact that Luke is dot, 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 well. Period. Well? he Luke is well. No, it, it, he, it's not that he's, like, not uh, sick or anything. It's, like, Luke is well- it's like, think of what you're going to say before you tell me you have a delete button on your keyboard. Luke DeVille's the hottest, coolest guy I've ever known. And, starting a sentence with and, he Again. Picked, yeah, and he picked me, M-dash, me! Me! The reason I was not going to make it much further in this book... But the reason I, like, the straw that broke the camel's back. <clears throat> the straw that broke makes will to read on. Chapter 10. This is the quote that's up top. Silence, indifference, and inaction were Hitler's principal allies. And I closed the book and I said, nope, 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 and nope. We're not bringing Hitler into this nonsense. I am book. not allowing you to talk about Hitler and the struggle to fight fascism in this book about wearing Spanx and saying things loudly. <laughs> this is, this book is worse than Midnight Sins. What? I don't know one thing that happened in Midnight Sins besides the four chapter long sex scene. Yeah. This book, I read probably less than Midnight Sins. Yeah. 
I would rather read dense, overly complicated, what the hell's going on, family tree drawing baloney loaf over this vapid, apparently supposed to be a stream of consciousness of the worst person in the world, tone deaf, bullshit, terrible, nonsense, useless piece of garbage that this book is. I hated it with every fiber of my being. I hated it. Don't tip her table over just because I hate it. Oh my God. I can afford to buy this book from the library, right? Probably, right? Probably. Can I buy this book and literally set it on fire? <laughs> Yasmin Gallinorn, if you're listening, please, God, write more books. Put them into libraries and replace every single other book in the world with your beautiful, bonkers, <laughs> cognizant, real, like, writing amazingness that is fun and good instead of just soul-killing and destructive to every single piece of every single person's soul. <laughs> I want other world to take over our world because in our world this book exists and I have to imagine that in Crimson Veil no half leprechaun half harp seal has to read Queen of Babel in the big city <laughs> have I, a good night Matt how do I I just how do I do it like not only did I find Midnight Sins this is the second book I've found that has broken you because you know my weak points. I'm sorry. Are I'm we not, still friends? I'm not as mad at you for this one. No, it, no, no, no. The only time I ever got mad at you was for the Ann Coulter book. Yeah. <sighs> you can find me at Twitter at Dickie Ma. I'm going to be hiding under the covers yelling for a little bit more. I'll be in the Angry Dome. Okay, well, when it goes to the Angry Dome, you can find me at Susan J, S with three U's, S A N J, on Twitter. Um, the intro music to our podcast is Babe of the Night by the band Elixir off of their album Rampant. And the outro music is by the one, the only, the handsome, Mick Dickinson. Um, I think I broke my husband forever and ever. And yeah, also you finally did it, ladies. And also we're pretty hungry, so I think we're going to go eat dinner. Have a good night, Matt. <laughs>